Hi, everybody. This is Chuck Sipe, Assistant Superintendent Roxbury Schools, here with some of my friends at Jefferson Elementary School. And our topic for today's podcast is PEAK. Now, you may be thinking, what is PEAK? And so our goal today is to tell you a little bit about what PEAK is, where it came from, and what it looks like in a classroom now. And when we get to the end of this podcast, we're going to talk about the next steps, right? We always continue to plan for moving forward so we can continue to get better and we're going to end with that. So before we go too far, I'm going to ask uh, two of our teachers here from Jefferson who are with us to introduce themselves so we can begin by talking about what PEAK looks like in classrooms. Hi, I'm Stephanie Rohde. Hi, I'm Kara Erdreich. And both of these ladies are teachers in fourth grade at Jefferson Elementary School. So for a little bit of history, what is PEAK? Well, PEAK is Roxbury's version of gifted and talented programming. And it's a little bit atypical. It's not the way we, and I say we, I guess, speaking about my generation or relative age groups experience with gifted and talented. When I was a student and the way lots of gifted programs run in variety of schools is there's a handful of students who are identified through multiple measures. And what that means is a variety of different data points, whether they be standardized test scores, um, an individualized test like COGAT that measures specific skills, classroom experiences, right? A lot of data is used to identify students who meet certain academic uh, thresholds. And the issue I have with that and lots of others is it unnecessarily excludes lots of our students. And oftentimes, gifted and talented programming are these really exciting extension type experiences, enrichment opportunities where students get to do really fun, cool stuff. And so when we get to the end, the middle of this experience today, this podcast, we're going to hear from some, from some students about their experience right now. Um, but we made the transition a couple of years ago because we didn't like the idea that students were getting unnecessarily excluded. And so well, uh, sometimes that gets confusing. And if you're a parent whose child would typically have met the criteria for a gifted and talented program, as outlined in a variety of Board of Education policies, some white papers, research, you may feel like your child lost something. But the really fun thing is in Roxbury, nobody lost anything. Every kid is getting the experience now, which is really exciting for us because it gives our students a real great opportunity to learn with one another outside of their typical experience. So I'm going to invite our teachers to talk about what happened. So we shifted to the idea of PEAK, which um, stands for Providing Enrichment and Accelerated Knowledge. That's what PEAK stands for. And the goal is to allow students opportunities to set personal goals, to investigate individualized learning and group experiences that sometimes have an opportunity for civic engagement, but really are driven by inquiry. Inquiry opportunities where they can connect what they've learned in the classroom. So we moved to this idea months before schools were shut down due to the COVID pandemic. So before we go too far, I'm going to ask our teachers to share. So what happened to Peak when we were out of our school buildings and shortly after our return? So it was interesting that, um, you know, the idea of Peak in the beginning was really exciting and uh, it, it was new. It was something that we were looking forward to doing with the students at an early on age. But, um, you know, when, when COVID did hit, we realized virtual, it was very difficult to give them the experience that we were all hoping to provide them with, um, you know, engagement, um, critical thinking, working together, collaborating with their peers. It was, it was difficult. Um, 
But afterwards, you know, you really saw a big change in peak. Um, I know uh, Cara can speak on the incredible projects that she has done with these uh, students. But, you know, now you just see at such a young age, you know, nine, 10 year olds are critically thinking on a way that I was never able to do at my age. I was never given the opportunity to do. They're coming up with, you know, incredible hypotheses by themselves and building things. And, you know, they're communication with each other is growing. So we we're seeing peak as a lot of people related to STEM with, you know, engineering practices, sciences, but it's more than that. It's actually encompassing SEL skills as well and how they're, you know, working together and collaborating. Um, and, and I think that's the beauty of why we enjoy peak so much is, is the group component of it and how these students are just growing in ways that we don't usually see in our core subject areas. Cara, I don't know if you have anything to add. I do, yes. So as a fourth grade team, we decided to approach peak bare bones as an engineering design process where the students are trying to solve a real world problem. Every single project that we've done, the real world problem changes, and we try to make it realistic for the age group. So in fourth grade, we do things like math towers, or we do things like making a helmet for Humpty Dumpty, or we make paper shoes, we're trying to not only encourage building and constructing and those sort of engineering practices, but we're also trying to encourage critical thinking, like Stephanie said. And we're trying to encourage this sort of almost entrepreneurial spirit I see in this group of kids where they feel like they have the power to design things, make things, and change the world. Right now in the project that we're doing, we connected it back to Shark Tank, where they actually have to pitch their finished project to their peers to see if their peers would purchase it, which is something we're gonna be doing shortly. And it's just a great experience to tap into things that we just don't get to tap into in our regular curriculum. All right, so I've been I've been furiously writing notes. I'm watching our students. They're watching me handwrite as fast as I possibly can, which is an old teacher skill. Um, and so I've heard a lot of things there that I really have to go back to. I can't let the opportunity pass us by. Um, so right before, right as we came out of COVID, we did use that time a little bit to catch up, close some gaps, things that unfortunately we just needed to recover uh, because uh, COVID instruction, virtual instruction was, was so um, different from what we had been accustomed to educationally. But I just, some of the things that were just said about what we're doing now are incredible to me. And it just goes back to what I had mentioned previously about this is different than the experience we had as kids. So I just want to go through that one more time. We have students hypothesizing, building, communicating in real world opportunities where they're connecting with a variety of real world problems that are STEM based and SEL based. And I, I don't remember which one of you said, I think Dr. Rody said, there wasn't an opportunity like this when we were kids. It just wasn't a part of educational and instructional mindset, right? I remember lots of times as a student sitting in a desk that was in a row working by myself in isolation all the time. It's pretty much the singular experience, no matter the grade um, or the subject. And so I've been in both of your classrooms. I've watched them operate, and they really are fantastic. They're really amazing places for young people to learn and grow and collaborate, which is probably why this experience is so dynamic in your rooms and amongst your team. So I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm not, I don't want to talk too much about the... the um, the projects, because those sound awesome. I'm going to let our, our students talk about those. But just the concept of integrating problem-based learning that, as Carr just said, doesn't directly connect with typical curriculum. That's a reality. And that is a truth. There are things we need to teach. There are standards we need to meet. But how do we enrich and enhance the student's learning experience 
so that they can develop what we call through our portrait of a graduate, as well as just really great educational practice opportunities to transform learning experiences into your life. How do you see them transitioning into your life? So students, it's your turn. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves. And then I have some questions for you about Peak and some of the things you just heard your teachers say. So tell us who you are. Hello, I am Leo and I am from fourth grade, Miss Miser. I am excited to talk about some Peak opportunities and learning expansions we can improve on. And um, what we have already done. Hi, I'm Mary. Um, I'm in Miss Miser's class in Jefferson School, and I'm also excited to talk about Peak. Hi, I'm Sydney, and I'm in Mrs. Rohde's class at Jefferson School, and I'm super excited to um, get to like explain Peak. All right, we're introduced. We got the butterflies out, which I know can be tricky. This is kind of a new experience. So you all said you're excited to talk about Peak, which makes me excited. So tell us what maybe I'm going to give you some questions. You don't have to answer them all. What was your favorite uh, Peak project? What do you like the most about Peak? Who do you get to work with? It's your chance to really talk to us about what Peak means to you and how it has given you opportunities to do this sounds weird, but it's true. Cool stuff in your classrooms. So one of the great activities that we did is a group project where we worked with each other to make a egg dropper for Humpty Dumpty so that when he falls off his wall, he does not break. And that was a great opportunity for all of us to work together, compromise, and be good with teamwork for each other. Mary, did you like the people you worked with when you were doing that? Were you working with kids from other classes? Um, how did that go? Um, I got to like experience like new people that I hadn't really been in classes with mostly, and it was really fun. Awesome, cool. So I can't let the it, did did Humpty Dumpty successfully land? Most of the time he did. Um, we only expected. For um, a number of like um, egg droppers to like come out um, like without a single crack, and um, almost every every single egg dropper but one of them for the first um, like drop didn't survive, and um, the one that didn't survive was only a slight crack, and we had to go up to four levels, and some of them was really just throwing it onto the ground. We finally had one winner in the end and it was really cool. Sid, how did you choose how to build the, the egg dropper? Like you were given a few materials, right? How did you know your group figure out what were the best materials to use and, and how to put it together? Because um, we had a cup and that's what most people put their egg in. Um, it was kind of, and like we used the tissue paper as like a parachute and we knew that like the tissue paper wasn't really strong. So other people may have used the construction paper. So it was really like aerodynamics in a way. <laughs> Go ahead, Leo. You want to add to that? Um, I also loved the egg dropper project because it was not only a way to communicate with other students. It was also a way to express what what you love about peak and 
express how you can like make the egg dropper not break and the egg was a normal egg nothing special and everyone every um team every student every project that um all the egg droppers all of them did amazing and i think that it was just a great opportunity for us to learn from our mistakes and to communicate with other grades and other um classes I have to repeat what you just said. It was a great opportunity to learn from your mistakes. And that's one of the things I think has come along with our the evolution of education is the opportunity to embrace failure as an opportunity to grow and get better as opposed to the constant pursuit of perfection. Um, so I'm really excited to hear you say that because um, while this is an unscripted conversation, you know, we have some talking points. I, I just think that's important that if our students are able to articulate that they feel safe taking risks and knowing that they may not be successful right out of the gate, that really is important to me. And I thank our teachers for allowing students to have that space in their learning. I remember that was something that really stressed me out as a kid was this this feeling of needing to be perfect, um, which now as a grown up and as an educator, I know is a completely unrealistic and un unattainable. So how did you, I'd, I'd like the teachers talk a little bit about, what did you build into your classrooms or the way you discuss these opportunities with students? I'm sure it goes far beyond peak, but that they know that getting better is part of the process. I think it was a slow process. We've noticed definitely students are, as always, uncomfortable with failure and uncomfortable with the idea of starting a project without knowing how to finish it. So we started off small with projects that were very low stress, low risk, and we made sure that there was an element of fun to them. We have kids in groups, so they're not isolated. They're not stressing and watching other people succeed while they are in their own minds failing. We have sort of like music playing, and we make it a very light and kind of fun atmosphere for them to work. We also make sure that the projects have some kind of theme where there's no, there's no end grade where you're going to fail if this doesn't work. That, I think helps take some of the stress away. I don't know if any of the kids want to chime in to make these projects a little easier to know, hey, you might fail. Yeah, the feeling that you're probably going to succeed or fail is there, but it's not like you're pressured to succeed because you, you, you can just do whatever you want and it doesn't really matter what happens. Yeah, I, Mary, I love that you said that. I think the the important thing that I think we've all instilled in our classrooms is um, that your effort and your attitude is very important and your perseverance is. You know, there's although there is no grade, it's understanding that you need to push through these difficult times and um, get to that finish line, right? And and that's what is really important in Peak Now. It's they're pushing their minds so much farther than they have before without even realizing it. And it's not for that hundred at the end. It's for the satisfaction of knowing that you pushed all through all throughout all those obstacles and you finally reached that end goal. And what I'm seeing in my classroom is that's actually then transitioning into the other subjects now. So these successes in peak and this mentality that they're molding in peak is now being encompassed in, um, you know, our, our, pretty complex math skills. 
right? They're taking that perseverance and they're applying it elsewhere inside and outside the classroom, which is awesome. And Sydney, I know that you've definitely been doing that. You're one of the people that I see persevere all the time. Was there one like peak project that we had where you really felt like you had to persevere or challenge yourself? Yeah, there during the egg drop, we um our like project wasn't really going very well. Like the tissue paper wasn't like strong enough, and um we then we started to go like for like cushion instead of like air, like catching it. Um and then we realized that this thing's gonna break, so then we had to combine the two. But the cushion would make it heavy, and we want it to be light so that um, parachute works. But it was just really weird because um, you have to like split through um, what you want really want to do, and like with a bunch of people in your group, like it's hard to um, like I don't know how to explain it, but work together. Yeah. So, so one of the things that I think is really cool is we're not really saying it directly, but this one project, and I'm going to ask you guys in a bit if there's other favorite projects, because we've talked a lot about this one project, even though I think it's really cool. I know you've done lots of other things, is students are learning concepts of aerodynamics. They're learning concepts about you know advanced science. How does gravity impact their project? Um, how do materials have an impact on performance? Right. While we may not specifically be diving deep into the science behind that, the project like this one's really going to set you guys up to be much more prepared in the future for extension curriculum-driven experiences. And while I'm kind of using like adult lingo and looking at you guys, um, even the teachers are saying they're seeing you guys transfer your perseverance, your resilience, the skills you're learning through Peak into your typical classroom experiences, which is awesome. Sounds great. So other uh, were there other projects? As soon as I said that, I saw your eyes light up and you guys wanted to sat, all sat forward. So go ahead, hit us with some other projects. What else have you done there that was fun? So one of the first projects we've done is a project where you use math um, blocks to build a tower and your tower needs to be the tallest while also staying up. And it was a very hard project. We only have, we had a 15 minutes of giving time and we, we had no idea what to do. Our group can, would work together. We would try everything. It would, it would fall um it would um, stay up, but none of it worked. And most most groups persevered with a lot of height on their tower. Um, our group did too. Um, we tried to stabilize it, and it worked. And um, it doesn't matter if we lost. We were we were also one of the most successful groups in that challenge. Doesn't matter if we lost. We still had the chance to persevere through uh, communication skills, and it was really fun. Um, another project that we did was one where we had a group, and we had to stack cups, but we had like almost like a giant rubber band with pieces, and we all held the rubber band, and we had to pick up the cup and stack it into the tower without knocking it over. And it really took a lot of, like, you have to tell everybody what you're going to do, and you have to, like, make sure everyone understands and everyone is participating in the group. Because if one person is not putting in as much effort as the other people, then it really makes it harder and more challenging. 
um, for the cups, what it was, it was like a rubber band and then it had a bunch of strings connected to it. And there was a limited amount of like where you could put your fingers. So it's like if one person wasn't pulling hard enough, then we would like all have to move, like everybody else would have to move it. And it was like a lot of cooperating and everything. It was kind of challenging because some people are like, sometimes people like take charge and we like everyone else tries to like balance out like the power in a way. I'm so glad you said that, Sydney. A lot of the challenges we did at the beginning of the year were focused on how to function in a team. They weren't necessarily design challenges. They didn't necessarily have that real world application yet. We were focused on getting the students with other students from any fourth grade class and really figuring out, okay, how do I function in this team dynamic? How do we complete a common goal? So I... I I'm not quite sure what to say. You guys are awesome. That was, I was thinking that the whole time as I was hearing the kids talk was how does this transfer into what we're supposed to be teaching? And you just said that really well is it's not a direct, like, let's be honest. It's not a direct connection to the standards that we're supposed to be teaching, but I would say, and I would defend it as a much more valuable opportunity that will support students ability to be successful in the future. Um, and I feel like that's so important to what we offer kids. So I also heard somewhere along the lines, I wrote it in my notes as we're talking here, about a, uh, a pitch, right? That's the current project. So I'm interested in what you guys are going to pitch, but I'm more interested in, are you concerned about having to get up, talk about um, your thing, whatever it is, the, the item you've prepared, created, invented? I don't know which word to use because I don't know a lot about this project, but I'm mostly interested in hearing you talk about, you're going to have to talk about this thing in front of people and the way you talk about it, you're going to be evaluated whether, probably not with a grade because that's not the only way we get evaluated, but people are going to be listening. Tell me about your thoughts knowing that's on the horizon. So my thoughts about this, I'm, I'm very excited to pitch um, my our shoes and it, it doesn't sound very exciting, but it is. It's, it's more than you would expect. Um, if you're pitching anything, you have to have a lot of cooperation. Whoever's pitching actually talking, and if you want to take turns talking, and whoever's coming up with the idea to actually pitch, it's very cooperative and um, special. It's a special project that you do, and it's very fun and there's a lot of teamwork involved in pitching a sales project. It doesn't sound like it, but there is a lot. I'm going to add on to what Leo said. He said like there's a lot in it and there really is. You need to like it's like you're really doing a business pitch because you have to write up what you're going to say and try to memorize some of it. While you also need to make sure that your shoe actually works where it can fit onto the person's foot with the amount of materials that you used, which takes a lot of teamwork because you also have to be happy with each other and work together because you have to pick who's going to wear the shoe. And if one person wants to wear it and the other person does, you really need to compromise. And that's where teamwork really comes in. With the sales pitch for the shoe, it's really weird because you have to, like, um, you only have, like, limited materials and everyone, everything's put in there for a reason and the kids have no clue what a certain, like, thing is meant for. And, um, like, 
the shoe, um, it's you have straight paper in front of you, and you have to like measure um, by hand. Like you don't really have a ruler or anything, and you have to like make sure it like fits and that it's like won't rip if you try to like walk in it. And some people thought outside the box instead of making like um, a sneaker, they made a sandal, which would be a lot quicker, <laughs> in my opinion. And it's just really interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting because there's many types of shoes that you can make. Like Sydney said, you can make a, sa a sandal, and it's it, that would probably be easier than making a sneaker, but it would also be harder because you need to have it so that it stays on your foot, while with the sneaker, if you can get it on, then it will probably stay on your foot. Mary, what was the, in your opinion, the hardest part of this, uh, the sneaker creation? We haven't done the sales pitch yet, but what part in the process? Was it initially getting all the materials and being overwhelmed with them? Was it working with the people in your group? What, what was the most difficult part for you? Well, the most difficult part was probably making like where you put your foot into the shoe big enough that you could get your foot in, but not too big that, that your shoe foot like fell out but you also didn't want it to like rip when you're trying to put your foot in and you also had to make a, um, a sole for your shoe which was kind of difficult because you had to get many different materials it was also very fun um and difficult figuring out what shoe you are doing because some shoes require more materials some shoes don't it's very challenging to figure out what you are actually making. And fitting it around the person's foot is actually the most challenging part for me because I'm the one w wearing the shoe in my group, so it's it's hard to fit um, it when you don't have any required measurements or a ruler or anything to work with. But it's also really fun and while it's challenging because it's it's fun to see out what your shoe comes out like and it's fun to like make sure that it fits it's fun to wear it it's just a really fun project that we're doing I think one of my favorite parts of all of these projects as a teacher is to give you guys these open-ended challenges and not give you a lot of guidance on how or why or where you should construct and seeing what you guys come up with because you guys come up with things that I would have never thought of. In like activities, we're usually used to being like told what like the goal is and what you're supposed to do and what it's supposed to look like. But with Peak, you, you don't have that. It's not teachers constantly helping you with what you're supposed to do. It's really just yourself, your group, working together to make whatever you would like. With working together, another project we had was the boat project where we where um we had to like put a, the the like we had to um use a fan to push a boat across um uh like a bucket of water like a shoe bin and um like we we had to put marshmallows on the boat and we had to get it safely over. We had like straws and index card. I forget what else we had. 
paper. And um, we had to get the boat, like, across it. And every time that you made it across successfully, you had to add another marshmallow until eventually um, your thing would sink. Okay. So I haven't really been keeping track, but I feel like the word that has been said the most during this conversation is fun, which is so incredible for me. Um, because I know that there's a lot of things schools are required to do, but one of the things we're not required to do, but probably should be required to do, is ensure that we are instilling fun into the learning experience. And so um, while that was an unanticipated outcome for me of this conversation, I'm so excited that the three of you students shared that word so much with us. Um, I have to say, before I invite any last thoughts, it's early. We're recording this early on in a school day. And so I know I'm taking a risk saying this, but I'm confident the five of you have made my day. It's just so refreshing to hear you three students and these two teachers talk about what's going on in their classrooms with smiles on their faces and such joy in an unscripted conversation uh, that I'm confident saying that this is going to be the highlight of my day. So I really am so thankful that the five of you joined me today and that you're sharing your experience because I think it's awesome. So, all right, last thoughts. Anything else you want to share before we get out of here? Like, also, he was right. Like, when you say learning, like, in a fun way with peak, it really is, like, true because you you do know, like, that you're learning, but you you really have fun while you're doing it. And the way that we get to, like, we get to um, get more social and, um, peak than we do in other subjects and we really just get to like collaborate in a way and it's just really fun to accomplish these um fun projects and i know um everyone's been saying isolated a lot this um thing but isolated is not at all what we are in peak we always work together with our groups and um i love it how we're always with a group it's not just you're working on your own because there's a lot of stress when you're working on your own. There's a lot of um, pressure put on you. But working with a group, there's no peer pressure. It might seem like there is, but there's none. It's really a fun time to have working with a group. Ladies, any last thoughts? I mean, your kids are incredible. You two are amazing. The things your team is doing as with Peak, I'm sure, in, you know, in every other uh, subject also. So wrap this up for us because this has been awesome. From a teaching perspective, I think PEAK has been a great opportunity to see a different side of our students and to take a little bit of a break from the rigor of the regular curriculum and just think outside the box as teachers see them think outside the box as students. It's been a wonderful perspective to get on these kids. Yeah, I have to agree, Cara. I think one of my favorite things not only is seeing them be so happy and just enjoy it, but it's the relationships that I've built with them in that subject with students that aren't even mine. You know, we have an interesting dynamic with, that we do with PEAK. Um, we combine all the fourth grade classes so that we can all uh, work together and the students aren't just subjected to working with the students in their class. Um, and the relationships, relationships I've built with students that aren't even in my own class, you know, it, it's really great. It's a wonderful way to... Um, just converse with other students and build that school climate and culture that we have here in Jefferson and in Roxbury. Um, and that's another just small beauty of, of peak.
that I'm really enjoying. All right. Well, there's nothing much more. There's not much more to say about this. You five have been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the highlight of my day. So if you have other, any um, questions about Peak or you'd like additional information, there's information on our website. You can certainly reach out to one of the administrators here in the district or one of the teachers to talk a little bit more about Peak if you're interested. But I really think uh, our kids and our teachers really summed up the experience well here today. So thanks for listening.